Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to The Sound of London. This is London Out Loud. I'm N. Quentin Wolf, and we are going on a pub crawl. The second part of a pub crawl. In fact, we started last week with pub tour guide Vic Norman looking at some of the historic and most interesting pubs in the centre of town. This week we're picking up where we left off and we're exploring pubs connected with great writers and uh, those connected with great, in the other sense of the word, monks. Lots of positive comments on Twitter and on the comments section of the show pages. I will try and get a list of the pubs that we've visited in these two episodes up for easy reference. Having listened to last week's pub tour with a pub tour guide, Morton Weld writes in on Facebook to ask, does this guy do pub tours? I think it's safe to say he does. And if proof were needed, here's 40 minutes of him doing exactly that. Hey baby, let me take you down So we'll play some strange sights and sound You ain't never seen the light before Just a long throw from your front door You find me on Fleet Street, and uh, that is where I found Vic Norman, who is picking up the baton more or less where he uh, left it in the centre of town, and we're on a pub tour of sorts. Uh, We're also stopping off at a few other places. Uh, In last week's episode, if you haven't heard it already, we stopped at slightly more than three of the most interesting pubs in this part of town. Uh, We're doing the same thing this week, but with hopefully different pubs, otherwise this is going to be kind of tedious. And for some reason, we've stopped outside at church. Hello, Vic. Hi, yes. So we're um, about a couple of hundred metres further east from the last pub from last week, the Old Bank of England. We're still on Fleet Street. And we're outside St Dunstan's in the west. Uh, St Dunstan, he was the Archbishop of Canterbury back in the year 890, to give you a bit of a historical background. He was a saint. And so to, to be a saint... Um, I believe that there has to be a recognised miracle, or at least one, for for the Vatican to uh, canonise. We have a, a bust of Northcliffe on the outside. This will be the newspaper baron, of course. Uh, probably, but I, the reason I did stop here is to point out a couple of other things. So, first of all, we have a beautiful public clock, and Fleet Street is home to some amazing public clocks. I, I, I am wary that I'm deteriorating once again into last week's um, chimney fetish um, but the public clocks along Fleet Street are beautiful this this one here outside St Dunstan's St Dunstan's was the first public clock to be marked first public clock in London to be marked off in minutes 
they were all the rage back then minutes so presumably you mean that uh, prior to that we just had the Roman numerals for the hours is, is that what you're saying correct but and, and even, even so you look up those Roman numerals what would you say was the uh, Roman numeral for four oh, that'd be IV we look up to the clock and we've got IIII we have got IIII instead of IV you know why is that um I'm presuming that was a hypothetical question. I'm going to answer my own question. Yeah, because I think it's something to do with the fact that when the numbers were so close together on clocks going around that they believed that it might be confusing to have IVV and VI very close together. And so some clocks uh, replaced IV with four I's. Heresy, but nonetheless not unattractive. But I'm also pointing out here the statue of Queen Elizabeth I here, which is the only statue of Queen Elizabeth I in the world known to have been carved during her reign. So 50, between 1558 and 1603, there are, no other, there are no other statues of Queen Elizabeth I, but it's also the only statue in the country with its own income. So, I believe the story goes that some rich old lady died and gave all of her estate, all of her money, to the upkeep, upkeep of QE1. Of the statue? Yes. Yeah, right. QE nice and clean and tidy and Elizabethan looking. And do, do we know when this person passed away and when that uh, cleaning fund will be exhausted? Uh, I don't, but obviously uh, it's not an, not an unlimited pool of money, so at some point, uh, yeah, the, the church will probably have to pay for it or the public will have to pay for it. Looks uh, a bit mucky. Well, indeed, um, and every year they, they put up a scaffolding and um, surround it with tarpaulin and get to work hosing Elizabeth down. Well, whilst we've allowed ourselves to be diverted by your secret fetish for little details of uh, mm. architecture up high really we're here or ostensibly we're here i should say to look at pubs we are though i do believe it was you quentin and not me that brought up the idea that architecture is in fact lingerie i, d- I did say that didn't i <laughs> I, said, I said there was a, a possibility yes room for misunderstanding do you never think that a wide portico sounds like a tailoring term i think it could be um which side do you dress sir on the, the, the your wide portico Yes. I'm pretty sure that there was something amusing in one of the Jeeves and Worcester books that involved a bet being one to do with where you could see one of the clocks in Fleet Street from. I don't know, listener, if this is ringing a bell with you. I'm going to have to go and look it up now. I know but not of what you speak. There are plenty of uh, public clocks in Fleet Street. That's what reminded me of that. There are many, and you're saying that one or two of them can be seen from a from a unexpected yeah, and unusual location. That's right. There's some sort of bet that can be won. Okay, like from Bristol, <laughs> something. <laughs> Using uh, Street View. <laughs> Using Google Maps, yes, obviously. Now, round the corner we come. It's, uh, you'll have noticed the drop in traffic noise, and that's because we're just coming up to uh, Dr. Johnson's house, and we're walking through the back alleys to get there. A water feature burbling in the square here. Was it burbling or gurgling? Let's just go back and check. I think it's good. I think that is the burble. Sounds like a burble to me. Gurgle's more of a... Closer to a glug, I think. Could you demonstrate the gurgle for us? I'm not sure I could. I could do a gargle. But gurgle, I'm not so sure. That's asked me in about 70 years. Or after the full pub tour, presumably. Uh, yes, I, mean, I, could, I could possibly gurgle after... After the last pub. I mean, we've talked about the risks to uh, people participating. Of, uh, 
the <laughs> rather obvious drink. Oncoming traffic. The, the risk of getting drunk. Um, but what about your, the risk of you uh, falling off the script because you've been imbibing? Well, when, when I first started doing the pub tours as I said I ran this tour and I ran it once a month it was a Friday evening nothing I had nothing on on Saturday morning and I would drink in each pub and and enjoy it but since I've had uh, I'm out sometimes three or four nights a week um, I've curtailed curtailed that I maybe have a couple on the way around so yeah there's no danger of me uh, misleading people and forgetting where I'm going in, in all seriousness is there a risk doing the kind of work that you do of, well okay if you worked in a pizza restaurant, you're either going to eat a lot of pizza or no pizza at all. Uh, in your job, yes. is, there, is there a risk of overdoing it? I'll be referring to the, the, the sweet shop analogy here. Sort of, so if I worked in a sweet shop and uh, I had a sweet tooth, I could eat as much sweets as I wanted, but I'd get sick of them at some point. Um, no, I don't think so. I think um, that if you self-regulate and you, if you're a sensible person, you've got children, you've got other things to do in the morning, you don't want to hang over, then you, then you don't drink. But um, my guests, of course, they're there for a night out. They're visiting London for a couple of days. They want to have a great time. They're free to drink um, as much or as little as they wish. Because at the end of the day, this is, um, this is a business. I know I kind of make it because because it's important to make it it's important to make it effortless and it's important to make it a fun night out for people but at all times um it is it is a business and i need to to make sure that they have a good night a good night out that they've had a drink and we move on they have a bit of history and hopefully they'll come back if they have a good time as well and so that that's, that's really what it's all about no there's no danger of me falling into sin yeah because there's a den of iniquities everywhere um no I'll, if i fancy a beer i'll have a beer if i get a bit merry i'll get a bit merry it all you know it's, it doesn't it doesn't inhibit the um, the the evening at all. But here we are outside uh, Dr. Johnson's house. We've, we've broadcast from in there, actually. Huh. Okay, so uh, Dr. Johnson, the man who said, "When a man is tired of London, he's tired of life." Of course, very very true. Um, I stop here, here in Gough Square, Dr. Johnson's house, and also mention the fact that it was Dr. Johnson who who put together, who compiled the the English Dictionary, which is a kind of no mean feat. I mean, so helpful was Dr. Johnson when he compiled the English Dictionary. Not only did he put all the words in alphabetical order, he explained every one as he went along. It's very thorough, that book. Hmm. Yeah. I thought so. It's a, it was a good book. I thought it tailed off towards the end. <laughs> uh, have you read it? Um, you know, I started reading it. But, um, you know, when you start a book and you think, maybe I'll just flip to the end. And yeah, the end was a bit boring, really. Zymergy. <laughs> Where'd Apparently, you go with that? There are, there are a lot of amusing yeah. anecdotes in there. And, and, but they're amusing. Uh, a lot of them, uh, they're amusing in the context of reading them in their time. Yeah, I particularly enjoyed the word horse. But no pub. Inside Dr. Johnson's house? No, where is this pub? Well, uh, Do- supposed to be taking us to pubs. We are about to go to Dr. Johnson's local, hence the link to Dr. Johnson. But via his cat. We've got to go to his, go and see his cat. His cat is remarkably well behaved. It's a statue. Or rather, it's not a statue, because statues are stone. We'll stay back a little bit because there's someone sleeping here and they probably need a good, uh, good morning sleep. Okay, so this statue is of Hodge. Um, Hodge was Dr. Johnson's cat, immortalised here in Gough Square, opposite his house, and uh, I stopped there uh, for a number of reasons. So, first of all, to talk about Dr. Johnson in a bit more detail, to talk about the fact that to the left of Hodge, as we look in, the, uh, uh, there is an oyster shell. Now, every morning, Dr. Johnson would send out for oysters for, for Hodge, and back then, you'd dip your bucket or your net into the Thames, and you, out it would come replete with oysters. Oysters were poor people's food. They were plentiful. Now, of course, the opposite is true. They're rarer, and they uh, are considered to be a delicacy in rich people's food, if you like. 
as a pub tour guide i'm required to pay a tax that tax is one pound on hodge's shell so every time i stop here i leave a pound coin on hodge's shell uh job done um but also what Okay, so, so uh, that wasn't a complex question, really, was it? That wasn't what? elegantly put. What isn't a complex question? No, but I'm no. going to stand by it. What? So, uh, as a pub tour guide, I am a pub tour guide. You were aware of that. Um, I'm required to leave to pay a tax. By whom? Huh? Who requires you to do that? Well, in actual fact, I made the entire thing up, but it's now a story that's doing the rounds. But anyway, I do leave a pound on Hodge's shell and tell everybody it's my tax. This is sounding more and more bizarre and even more bizarre than chimneys and cupolas. If you don't mind my saying it, it sounds like a silly story to have made up because this is costing you money. It's, it's a little, it's kind of a little ritual that I think life is sewn and knitted together by little rituals. And I wanted to create some kind of ritual that um, celebrated and honoured, in my way, uh, my tour. So I leave a pound. It's like a, my my bounty, my boon to the universe. I don't know who comes and takes that pound. I don't care. But I, I've now since seen other people leaving money on Hodge's show, and it's be, you know it's becoming a thing. Other people have left. Yeah, they're all started, Nobody else has left a pound. They're, they're all coppers. Me. They are. They are. Um, but yeah, um, I always do this, and then people saw me doing this, and it's just I told people, and it's just taken off. So but now there's just money here every time you come here, which I kind of, I kind of think is nice. But as I say, if, if you manage to complete any five of my tours, you're given a badge, you welcome into the club, kind of an honour, an award for services to London pubs, and this and there's always a special spot on each tour where if this is your fifth badging tour, you get a badge ceremony, and and it's out, it's here at Hodge where if this tour is your fifth tour, you get given the badge, the dragon and flagon, you know. All traditions began somewhere, did they not? Uh, things that we think of as maybe being silly or outdated, um, whether it's to do with politics, economics, or little traditions that we have in our family or to do with celebrating different parts of the year, all started somewhere and were carried on tradition because people kind of liked them and kind of liked the ritual, even if they've out, you know, grown past their sell-by date. And so, of course, it's okay for people to set up their own traditions, and that's what life is made of, knitting together new traditions for the future. I think I've got a tradition in mind. I'm, I'm going to start one. What is it? Every time I come past Hodge, I'm going to take a pound. I think that could work, yeah. Oh, there's one there now. That's you giving to the universe. I like it. <laughs> we pass on. I'm, I'm leaving my pound, listener. I'm going to donate it to uh, charity. That's quite big of me, I think. Yes, I didn't see the pound leave your pocket and enter Hodge's shell, but I do believe... I didn't... I, oh, well, I've got to leave a pound. I left, no, you don't have to. I left my said, pound that I didn't... I didn't even pick it up. No, so your tradition is not taking money that's been left in the street. Yes, donating it directly. By not taking it? Correct. Oh, I like it. <laughs> Stop here. This is, uh, this is Wine Office Court. So, uh, medieval London, as you do now, you need a licence to, to, to sell wine. You come to Wine Office Court to purchase such a licence. And uh, we tend to think of London in kind of medieval times or a few hundred years ago as being a very loose, unregulated place but actually nothing could be further from the truth there were all kinds of laws and uh, things in place in order to make sure that uh, tradespeople dealt well with their customers so 
bakers were required required by law to make an extra loaf just in case they undersold in terms of weight uh, you see where i'm going with this one um so baker's dozen 13 instead of 12 um all kinds of punishments in place so anything from fines to being dragged through the streets from the back of a horse if you ever dealt unfairly with your customers uh, up until being sent away from london a place so far away from london a place where no laws ever applied a place called coventry Yes, that was the outside the jurisdiction of the law, Coventry. Yes, and so what happened? The Badlands. What, what happened up there if you were sent to Coventry? Then what would become of you? Oh, you should do anything you want, but you were you weren't allowed back into kind of civilized territory. Of course, that um, one of the reasons they say that being sent to Coventry—that's the, the origin potentially of of that phrase. Um, now, so we're about to enter Carmelite territory. Yeah, the Carmelites—they were the White Friars. The Franciscans were the grey, and the Dominicans, more of them later on, were the Black Friars. And the pub we're about to go to started off life in the 13th century as a Carmelite guest house. It burnt down in the fire, the Great Fire of London, 1666, was the first public building in London, once again, English priorities. First public building in London to be rebuilt, so it's rebuilt in 1667. Seven floors of beery wonder. Uh, Dickens drank there, mind you, Dickens drank everywhere, it was a bit of a lush. Um, Dr. Johnson's local, there was a young English poet who said, the modern world so stiff and pale you leave behind you when you please for long clay pipes and great old ale and beefsteaks in the Cheshire cheese because that's where we're heading, the old Cheshire cheese. We are presented with an assault course to get there. It has some sort of renovation work going on here. We're going to climb through the scaffolding. And here it is, the old Cheshire cheese rebuilt, 1667. We have here a list of monarchs. Now what's this? Oh, I see. It's a list of all the monarchs through whose reign this pub has sold beer. Yeah, absolutely. We start with James II in 1685. So they're taking the they're taking the definition that it's uh, the building, the, the fabric of the building that matters in terms of gauging how old the place is. Yeah. So there, I said there's been a, a site here, uh, a place of rest to weary travellers, a Carmelite guest house since the 13th century, but. It, but they did burn down in the fire and as you can see from there it's rebuilt in 1667 so not the same building even though it's on the same site offering the same things food, drink and, and rest at that point um, but yeah absolutely wonderful once again um, the second Samuel Smith's pub out of the, the, the two kind of mini tours that we've been doing home to beautiful beer and, and, an amazing place seven different bars on, on six or seven different floors but there are many other writers associated with this place there's a sign of all the writers somewhere um, on here. Thackeray, uh, W.B. Yeats wrote about this this in in one of his poems, and there is there is a plaque somewhere of all the different writers. It was it was played host to the the Rhymers Society at one point, uh, and Yeats was a member of the of, of the Rhymers Society as the as was the poet. I think his name was. Um, Davidson, John Davidson, who, who said, said that, you know, the, the little ditty I came up with earlier, the modern world, so it's different pale, etc. But yeah, yeah, famous literary haunt. Around we come, uh, passing Cheshire Court, ahead of us the uh, dome or cupola of, or cupola of St Paul's. Well, I'm not sure it is a cupola. Well, everything's a cupola now, my friend. Well, a couple of beers later it is, but I think that... <laughs> Who needs a scriptwriter? Sure. Well, well, I'm here all week. Uh, no, I think that is actually technically a dome and not a cupola. 
if indeed such things as cuppiness do exist and we've identified them in last week's show. For somebody claiming no knowledge uh, last week, in uh, the space of uh, merely a week, you seem to have gained an awful lot of architectural nous. I have done a lot of reading and research since then. Uh, we're across the street to uh, Salisbury Court here, to our right. I've never noticed that thing before. I'm looking at a... It's, it's clearly not actually Art Deco, but it's got... Uh, I don't know, you know what it could be. The Express... The yeah, Daily Express building ah. on Fleet Street. Oh, yes, it's got Express uh, uh, built into some of the yeah. windows there. That's a really it's interesting bit of architecture. I mean, you would say, by looking at it, it's a uh, uh, kind of Art Deco, but it's an unusual shape full of kind of uh, vertical... Uh, tall vertical black panels and then some, and then some glass panels as it curves around Reach Street into the into Shoe Lane um, it's, it's, yeah. it looks like if Mondrian had worked out his technique but didn't actually have any imagination I see where you're going with that I like that as a person with a very deep voice I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns but a deep voice doesn't sell B2B And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Where are we going? Where are we going? We're going to see St. Brides and, to, and, strangely enough, another pub. Bizarre, I know, but... 
this could be the appropriate moment as we approach our second destination to inject ourselves with a dose of commercial vitality. So we're going to go to a word from our sponsor. We'll be right back after this. We have teamed up with audible.co.uk to offer you a free audiobook of your choice. All you have to do is register for one month free trial to claim your free audiobook. There are over 150,000 to choose from. The 30-day free trial means you can choose a free audiobook, which is yours to keep whether or not you decide to cancel in the trial period. And there's more good news. If you trialed the service over 12 months ago, the good people at Audible are giving you a chance to get your hands on another audiobook for free. So sign up at www.audible.co.uk forward slash Londonist. You're listening to Londonist Out Loud. I'm N. Quentin Wolf. With me, Vic Norman, and uh, we're standing outside St. Bride's Church. We've done, I think we've done more churches than pubs on your pub tour. More churches than pubs? Let me think. We've done... This is our third church. We did the Beef Burger Lady last week. The Beef Burger Lady? Yes, with her three sisters who were uh, inviolate. Or... Oh, yes, we, yes, with, yes, yes. We did. We did Ethel Dreda with her three burger sisters. And the strawberries, yeah. That was one church. And then we did... Um, that was the only church on that particular we, And then we've had uh, Dirt, Dirty Queen Elizabeth. We did have Dirty Betty, um, which was the first church on, on, on this week, and then this is the second church. So three churches so far, and we've been to four pubs. Okay, I'm keeping tally then. I'm watching this. Do. No, I would, I would advise you to keep tally. But this is, this is St. Bride's. So um, St. Bride, very important to kind of saint history so much so that in Ireland she's buried right next to St Patrick of course there's been a site of worship to St Bride here off Fleet Street for about a thousand years the Fleet, well, Fleet Street is named after the tidal inlet the Fleot the Fleet um, which ran um, rose at Hampstead came the four miles south ran underneath uh, the last pub we were by the uh, the old Cheshire Cheese uh, it splits at one point and one of them comes down Farringdon and then the one that comes along Fleet Street joins it at Farringdon empties out into the Thames at Blackfriars Bridge uh, but since the 1770s it's been nothing more than a storm a storm drain really so the centre of worship would have been uh, presumably within the Roman uh, encampment. Where was, yeah, where was I think the centre? When I said a thousand years, I think what I meant to say was two thousand. Two thousand, yeah, St. Bride. Um, so an easy mistake. But also, uh, she's the patron saint of my pub tours because she was famous. I mean, we know of the um, turning water into wine miracle, made famous by uh, Mr. Mr. Christ. But um, so, what do you mean she was St. Bride? She did it turn as well. water into beer. I know. What, yes. were, what were the circumstances? Puts the wine trick into a cocktail, does it not? <laughs> what were the circumstances? Um, she had water, turned it into beer. Well, just <laughs> just like just like that. Sitting in her front room. I know, I'm not sure she had a front room as such. Um, I don't know the entire story other than that. But let know? me tell you something even do, more. Do you amazing. know anything about the story other than that? No. <laughs> but what I do know is that all modern wedding cakes, all tiered modern wedding cakes take their design from the design of St. Bride's Church, which as you look at it as you go up the steeple or spire, I always get those two mixed up um, in stone it gets narrower and narrower in tiers and that's where they get all modern wedding cake designs from and also it was bombed in, in the Blitz uh, revealing a complete Roman road which they did not know existed you can go down to the crypt today of St. Bride's and walk along this perfectly preserved because they didn't know about it Roman rope's absolutely amazing but the other reason we stop here is because there's a pub we want to go to um, now the pub 
was not as unlike any of the pods we've been to so far on either of the tours. It's not a grand palatial building. It's not an old bank. It's not a medieval wonder. It's a workers' pub. It was built to house the workers, the stonemasons and the labourers who worked on rebuilding St. Bride's. We've got another Wren church burnt down in the fire, rebuilt in the 1670s. So this pub is a humble pub. Um, it's uh, the old Bell Tavern. Uh, but it's really, really well done pub. And also they sell the finest bagged pork scratchings in the whole of London. I did say that I promised you pork scratchings, did I not? But um, if, they're out, if, they're, if they've got some, we can get some. Sounds like someone carving the crackling in there right now. The old Bell pub, here we are. A fine-looking free house. Glance inside shows us a beautiful curved bar, the stained glass looking out onto Fleet Street. Once again, it's another pub down an alleyway. I mean, all, you know, always my, my golden rule if you're visiting London is always, always, always trust an alleyway in central London because it always reveals something remarkable. On the off chance, uh, listener, that you go down an alleyway on that advice and get mugged, whilst Vic's advice that you will find something surprising has indeed been upheld, we can't take legal responsibility for that. But no, I just want to endorse the fact that lots of it, particularly around this area, the, the alleyways are fascinating. Indeed, but what a mugging it will be. A historical mugging, a historical mugging. with pro- possibly a cudgel and a sack. But um, no, in, in central London, central and generally the, the the alleyways, the passages reveal hidden courtyards, reveal pubs like we've with our pub number one was uh, last week was uh, was down an alleyway. This pub's off an alleyway. Um, alleyways always reveal kind of hidden London. I'm noticing what maybe griffins, maybe dragons, or maybe something else altogether. They. Uh, they look well maybe they're just birds they look to me reminiscent of of a liver bird would be a long way from Liverpool I know but TV show comes uh, coming from Liverpool so the the liver building on top of the liver building the liver bird with uh, wings outstretched kind of stork heron like it's got a fish and dragons don't do fish so uh, I think my original theory was wrong dragons don't what do they they think they do cattle Yes, they, they probably do. Yeah. I, that was a bit of a non-sequitur. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll leave that uh, question hanging in the air. Do dragons do cattle? I think, I think they do, you know. I think they pick up whole cows with their talons or in their fiery beaks, barbecue them. We're passing the crown and sugar life. That's a Samuel Smith as well, isn't it? Do you know what? I'm not sure if it is a Samuel Smith. I didn't think it was a Samuel Smith. A quick peek inside at the beers will reveal all. It is a Samuel Smith. Yes, you were right. But the Crown Sugarloaf here and, the, and its neighbour, the Punch Tavern, uh, are, they share the same toilets. <laughs> it's where the Punch magazine um, originated. That's, that's rather attractive. I'm just going to poke my nose in the, in the door here. If only to make sure that our pub count is higher than our church count by the end of this, because I think the cathedral's got to weigh in on the well, church what, side of things. Five, uh, where are we up to? Five pubs, four churches. Well, you can in St Paul's Cathedral as a church. Good question. Are all cathedrals churches, but not all churches cathedrals? Some of that impressive glazed work outside the Punch Tavern there on the... Uh, the proscenium. I do like a glaze. Are you okay? There's Hogan Viaduct. 
this bit of London, we're, uh, we're standing on uh, New Bridge Street right now, that big junction. Ludgate Circus. This always feels like a funny bit of London. It feels a bit no man's landish. You've got to cross this to get to whatever the other thing is. It doesn't. It, it doesn't feel integrated somehow. Roads that kind of are in the way of where you're wanting to go by necessity means you have to cross them. Is that how it works? Yes. Okay. Generally, yeah, I find. Otherwise, yeah. Otherwise, I find myself walking around and around the same block endlessly. I, I stick them in deliberately. You know. That's an interesting story about the black telephone boxes of London. So, because of course we think of nobody uses telephones, telephone boxes anymore. Everybody has a mobile phone, of course. Uh, and so these street furniture phone boxes are rapidly diminishing the BT phone boxes. Um, but we tend to think of all phone boxes across the country as being kind of red, pillar box red. But there are indeed some that are black. There are some that are pale green. Um, the black ones, the black telephone boxes. Uh, are different in that they date back to the reign of Henry VIII. I tell tourists that and they often believe me. Really? They date no, back to the really. reign of Henry VIII. Well, is that just because they don't know who Henry VIII is? Uh, possibly, yeah. But no, they are the older ones. Not but quite as old as Henry. They assume that he was the one who uh, eloped with Galton and Simpson back in the they 20s. Telephone, yes. OK, the other side of Newbridge Street. And moving towards... The angular bit. Oh, what is that angular thing in front of us? It is a building whose name I do not know. I do like it though. It's got a, some of the qualities of a glacier that's very hard uh, diamantine angles. That's a good word, diamantine. I like it. In that it's multifaceted. That would work really well as an insult to somebody, wouldn't it? Multifaceted. In what way? If they've been telling one thing to you and something else to somebody else. Oh, it's like two-faced, but, but actually seven-faced. Like January is multifaceted. That's true. Isn't, isn't it? Janus. Yeah, one face looking forward to the year to come and another face looking back to the year that's just been. That two-faced god. And as we round the corner here, a red phone box, and across the way, Blackfriars Station. Oh, you're going to bring us to this part. I've often wondered about this place. Is this the one with the monk on a plinth? Uh, I'll show you the, show you the monk. You can go around and see the monk if you wish. Yes, let's have a look That's at a... Prince of Jolly Monk, follow me. I was hoping we'd have a look at a monk. Now, I've, I've travelled past this place on the bus many a time. This is the Black Friar. And it's a... It's an odd-looking building. It's got bronze plaques on the side telling you what's what, saloon bar, uh, what ales they sell, that kind of thing. But it's the... The name of the pub and the way that's done in a kind of Romanesque tiling fashion, using those many, many little mosaic tiles. Then on the top of it, the gold lettering of the pub name. And bestriding it all is a corpulent friar. Jolly. Jolly well, friar. Is, is he jolly? I believe so. I believe that's, that's the um, PC word for corpulent. Or drunk. Drunk, inevitably they were drunk, Yes. Um, but you referred to the tiles and the, the gold lettering is in a Art Nouveau font because this is the only Art Nouveau pub in London. But let me talk to you a little bit about where we are. So this is indeed Blackfriars. Behind us is Blackfriars Bridge, Blackfriars Station. Um, let me talk about... So if you look across the river from here, you can make out the Oxo Tower. Yes. Uh, it comes alive at night. Um, back in 1910s to 1920s, uh, there was a ban on all advertising on the River Thames because businesses were putting up really ugly hand-painted or um, 
awnings and uh, and signs written on wooden panels etc it's becoming an eyesore and so the city of london uh, Lon- london authorities banned all advertising on the river but the oxlo town the oxlo town got around the ban by putting the advert for its product oxo in the very windows of the building itself so at night time they light up in red i once took my wife up the oxlo tower she didn't care for it very much uh so also where we stand this is a fundamentally important place in English history because there was the Dominican, Blackfriars, Dominican Monastery here, Priory. This is where Henry VIII met a delegation from Rome. He tried to convince them that his marriage to Catherine, first marriage to Catherine of Aragon, was illegal. Rome disagreed. And so uh, he took matters into his own hands. He divorced Catherine and he went a step further. He dissolved all of the monasteries in England, creating, because of his meeting here and the, the kind of the refusal to go with him from Rome, the Church of England. So this is the final pub on the Dragon and Flagon tour, my original tour, it's the Blackfriar. It's the only Arnouveau pub in London. And when I say Arnouveau, it is a glorious example of Arnouveau. So built in 1875, I think we can go and have a look. The, the back room is considered the temple of Arnouveau. So let's go and have a quick look in there. Well, this is absolutely exquisite and it almost defies description but I'll give it a go it's uh, about a seven foot level there's a dark wood ridge running across the top of walls that if they're not made of marble they're made to appear to be made of marble and across the top we have about one half life-size reliefs of monks going about their business in the gardens of a monastery perhaps picking grapes and uh, wheeling fruit about we see them giving arms i think above the bar it's uh, just remarkable uh, it is uh, the, the whole place and in particular this back room is a kind of an assault on the senses wherever you look kind of marble pillars elaborate lighting as uh, so we talked about the monks and brass that are, that are all around it's just an absolute every time i come here i see something new it's just just absolutely wonderful could you describe what's above us? So we have an arched, an arched ceiling. So done in tiny squares of mosaic. Um, reach up to the to the top where you have different geometric patterns around the side. You have reliefs of of monks um, doing various different things. One there that looks rather like Yoda, um, and marble pillars uh, abound. And a little bit further down, you have various mottos running around the room. Haste is slow, finery is foolery, uh, silence is golden. Beer is four pound a pint. Oh, that's not one of the slogans. It should be, but it isn't, no. <laughs> We've got satyrs uh, sitting up on the ledge there. One's playing a, kind of a, a, an accordion type thing. They certainly look demonic. Do satyrs not have um, legs of a goat? Oh, yeah, they've got cloven feet, don't they? These guys don't. Well, they've got goatee-type beards, and their hair is shaped wolverine-style to suggest uh, animal characteristics or horns. Uh, they look like mischievous imps, don't they? They do. One's reading a book and one's playing the accordion. How much more mischievous can you get? Let's find out. What's that guy doing? He's holding up a mask, a kind of a horror mask, a tragedy. He's coming out from behind a tragedy. Well, he looks definitely evil. He's up to no good at all. And then we've got another fellow over there who is painting, and we all know about that. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is a veritable hotbed of sin. 
finding these monks interesting as well they seem to be I'm, I'm wondering what the moral message is here because it seems like it's re, re, uh, replete with m- morality tales but I'm not quite sure well the, the, the story of course is that it tells the story of the Black Friars being the Dominican monks and Saint Dominic uh, founder of the Dominican order of course just over there on the stained glass window and what, what do we know about these guys what do, what do we know, or do, what do I know? I, I know Let's start with what you nothing. Know. I know yeah. virtually nothing other than the Dominican Order, St. Dominic, were the Black Friars, this is Black Friars. Should we move on to what I know? Yeah. I, I've got nothing either. Okay, Fred. <laughs> well, that was the Londonist Out Loud pub tour for, for two weeks. I hope that's proved enlightening. I suspect not, but there's plenty more opportunity to actually spend time in the pubs and to see uh, more of them and learn more about more of them with Vic. Uh, eight pub tours to choose from which is your personal favorite uh people ask me this all the time and um it kind of changes over time depending on you know i might do a couple of tours of of, uh, one type and really enjoy that night and that becomes my favorite i've got a soft spot for this tour uh, that we've done over two weeks uh because it was the tour that i started with many years ago and so so this this one i suppose you'd have to say was the favorite and aside from the last few hours of recording stupidest question you've been asked on a pub Hmm. tour Stupidest question I've been asked on a pub tour. Oh, yeah. So the stupidest question was, um, so I charge £10 a head. People come along for the tour. And a few people have asked me the same stupid questions. Do we get all of our drinks included? So my normal response is, yes, you get a drink included. I'm normally £20 a head down on each person, but it's been worth it. No, your drinks aren't included. (laughs) For more information and to check out those tours, you can be found where online? Okay, so um, I'm on most of the main social media as Dragon and Flagon, which is the name of this first first pub tour on Facebook. I have my own group, Dragon and Flagon. On Twitter as at Dragon and Flagon. On Instagram at Dragon and Flagon. Or you can check out on upcoming dates and a little bit more about the history on my website, which is www.londonpubtours.weebly.com. Vic Norman, thanks very much. Thank you. And that's all for this week. My thanks for this week to Vic Norman. Thanks too to Mark Barr and Bernie Barclay. Theme and incidental music was by Songs from the Howling Sea. I'm in Quentin Wolf. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. 
the number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.